1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Had the most beautiful moment last night, a true soccer moment for yours, truly. I was Coaching a match up in Redding, California, the second match of the season for my high school boys, the Shasta Wolfpack hosting the Foothill Cougars took a 1-0 lead early in a driving Northern California rain, and we held that 1-0 lead deep into the second half till about 20 minutes were remaining in the match, and Foothill, they equalized. Now, it was at this moment that I was crouched on the sideline in the pouring rain, absolutely soaked, and it was a couple minutes actually after Foothill had scored that equalizer, and the opposing fans, who have a great reputation for being uh, rather boisterous, they are, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this, they are, let's just call them rural folk, they're from about 10 miles to the east, and they are some Some very loud, boisterous rural folk. And they were giving me all manner of abuse. And I gotta be honest, I bring it upon myself. The referee actually stopped the game for a moment to come over and tell me that if one more comment towards the officials came out of my mouth that I would be ejected from the match. Rain continued to drive into my face, watering my cheeks, literally adding pounds to the peacoat that I was wearing. And it was at this moment that I just paused paused down in that crouch and took a deep breath and I just started laughing I couldn't get that quirky little smile grinny thing off my mug for another two minutes in the heat of one of the wildest games I've ever been a part of gratitude exceeded everything this is beautiful how lucky am I to be having rain dumped on me crouched down in the sideline you know what we did we ended up going on and winning the match 2-1 with a great goal from Nikki Barnett aka the Barney with five minutes remaining. Come on, you Wolfpack. Great show for you today here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Great to have you with us. Kyle Van Buren of the Arsenal Review USA will be with us. And before that, our good pal Nick Webster. That's right, Nicky Webb's with us on the other side of the break. World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline.
3: a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more.
5: Offer coverage not available everywhere for discounted phones. Excludes taxes, surcharges, roaming, and premium content. Subject to new line $36 activation fee. Credit ballot for and Plans may not be exact match. See website for eligible plans. Offer end 1716 703 Exclusions and restrictions apply. Contract by out Reward card requires online registration.
6: Are you wasting hundreds of dollars each year on contact lenses? Would you like to see clearly again without reading glasses? LASIK treats only the surface of the eye and is healthier and safer than wearing contact lenses long term. Dr. Robert Lynn had LASIK himself and still sees 2020 and has performed over 40,000 LASIK procedures over the last 18 years. Find out more at iqlaservision.com. That's iqlaservision.com.
3: IQ Laser
4: See the world's best matches, live, wherever you are, with Fox Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app, get the games,
3: and get your fix. Live soccer and more, anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com.
2: You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Aguero! Don't you want it? Welcome into World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline broadcasting network. My name is Nate Abarayas. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Tune in, at Stitcher, iHeartRadio, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Um, special hello to the men and women overseas listening on the American Forces Network. Get involved in the Twitter sphere. Love mail, hate mail, at Nate WST to get a hold of yours truly. You are doing such a great job out there in the Twitter sphere, by the way. And at World Soccer Talk to get a hold of all of us. And leave us a review on iTunes when you get a chance. And thanks to all of you terrestrial radio enthusiasts for listening to us every day on all of our fantastic sports byline radio affiliates. Our first guest in this edition of the show, a, a good friend of the show. It's, it's a man who, in many ways, I should... Pay a lot to for getting me in to this gig. It's our good pal Nick Webster. Nick, I haven't seen you since USA Mexico back in October. What have you been up to in the last couple of months?
7: Well, obviously not shilling as hard as you, Mr. Nate Abraha. Fabulous to be on the show. What have I been up to? I've been coaching like mad. I'm in, I'm in the midst of uh, the, the high school season right now. Had a huge victory on Tuesday against Santa Monica High School, a, a school with 3,500 kids against tiny Wynwood, population 400 kids. So coaching and uh, obviously watching a lot of football. How the hell have you been?
2: I have been mighty fine as well, and my coaching season came back up to to Northern California to do another uh, season with the Wolf Pack, the Purple Shasta Gang up here in uh, in Redding. And we are currently, Nick, we are two and zero oh after a, uh, a a big win in a driving rain last night, two to one with a late goal uh, from from our own Nick Barnett, who we love to call Barney. And it was a game that I swear to God, knowing you, Nick, knowing your English roots, you would have loved this thing. Driving rain, wind, angry fans, pissy referees, angry coaches, nasty challenges. It was proper northern. It was proper English. I tell you what.
7: Proper proper northern, I like that. And uh, I hope a couple of times is heavy to celebrate after the game.
2: Well, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> who, who are we talking to here? Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about coaching, actually, because I, I want to get back to a couple of present-day professional soccer things, you know, the, the things that we talk about on this show. And I want to get your take on a couple of things in the Premier League as well as the U.S. men's national team before we let you go. But I, I want to expand more on on your coaching, and, and it's something that you and I have talked with at, at great lengths about. And I'm, I'm curious, and I, I think a lot of the listeners would enjoy this, can you kind of shine some light on the biggest differences for you coaching in America as opposed to coaching in England, as well as shining lights on, on many of the similarities that I feel like a lot of people are, are unwilling to accept?
7: Well, I think that the biggest difference uh, I experience, um, and, and there's, there's two different experiences actually, there's, there's club soccer coaching and there's high school Within the, within the club fraternity, uh, I, I think the kids have the same amount of reverence for their coach. They're, they're there to learn. They're there to to get better. Um, the the major difference is uh, intensity in practice. Um, I think in England, every time you put on your boots and you get on the field, it's an absolute all-out war. Whereas so here in in America, I think people are. More inclined to preserve friendships rather than kick the crap out of each other, and then at the high school level, you know, I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough to work at a a very swanky private school, but the the lack of uh, respect given to the game of soccer is quite staggering, And, and, and that's something that upsets me pretty much on on a daily basis because what we have is I have a bunch of kids who like playing soccer. I don't have any soccer players. And uh, obviously in, in England, kids who like playing soccer actually watch the game and don't really participate, whereas soccer players play all the time. I think, I think that's the biggest difference.
2: Now, let, let's expand a little bit on that, because this is a, a where, where I sense we're going with this. It's something that, that irritates quite a few people, so let's go here, and that is... Uh, the, the growth of the game and how much you've seen that attitude maybe change over the years. You, you've been in America for, for quite a while. You've seen what the attitude was like towards the game at the high school level or at the professional level, but specifically focusing on, on clubs and high school and, and where you're coaching – you saw the attitude towards the game in, in the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, and now to here. How much has it really grown in terms of acceptance of the game, in terms of us actually developing soccer players, kids who live and breathe the game 365 days a year? Have you, have you seen that much growth, or is soccer going to continue to be the, the, the sport of tomorrow for the next 30 years?
7: Well, Funny enough, I mean, I, that really is a great discussion point because, you know, I now have 50 young men in, in, in the soccer program. Uh, pretty much, I'd say, 80% of them have replica shirts that they they come to practice in. But I, feel, I still feel like it's the same core numbers that are really into the game, i.e. there's five or six kids that... Watch the Premier League, uh, out on the pitch, first thing they've got the boots on, they're knocking the balls around. Whereas the other 40, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, huddled over their iPhones and, and they're just, just, you know, messing around. Uh, it, it isn't that important to them. So I, I still think, you know, I think the, the mass appeal of the game is definitely improving. But in terms of, Players participating who are ready to step up to the next level. Uh, certainly, from the Anglo Anglo population, have not changed a bit. Now, I, I think with, within the Latino population and, and with, in the African Americans, there's definitely more participation and, and kids who want to go to the next level. But I mean, once again, you know, we always we always seem to head to the socio socioeconomic roots of the game. And soccer is a game for the working class, and it is a game for young kids to get out of the gutter with. It's not a game for the middle class. I mean, it's just a recreation. It's not a ticket to riches.
2: Now, that's something that you and I have again talked at at great lengths about, and I want to bring this to to light here on the show, and that is this idea that soccer here in America – is a sport for the middle and, and upper middle class and that it, it in many ways contradicts how the game is perceived around the world as as the world's game, the game for for anybody from the poorest of the poor to the to the richest of the rich. And you come to America and you see this kind of vibe here, you feel this kind of vibe here, that it's a sport for the upper middle class of, of this country in terms of the youth playing the game. What can we do as as coaches or even people listening to the show, what can we do to, to defeat that mindset and truly embrace the beauty of of the quote unquote world's game and making this everybody's game?
7: No, until the the working class of America embrace truly embrace the sport as to uh, like they do with basketball, uh, with football to a certain degree. It's never going to happen. There's nothing you can do as a coach. I mean, I, I have some, I have some uh, laying kids on, on my club thing. And, of course, they're the scholarship players. They are working their tails off because they, they realize that soccer is a possible way out of the, the inner city. It, could be, it could, be, uh, could be a golden ticket to uh, a college education. Um, so I, I, I really don't think we can do a thing. I mean, if you look at the inner cities, uh, basketball is made for the inner cities. You only need a small, small pot of land. Uh, you only need one hoop and, uh, and away you go. Soccer is a kind of sport where yeah, you, you don't need a ton of space, but you need open space. And in the inner city, there isn't any open space. All the open space is in the suburbs, where all the white kids live.
2: But now now Nick on on that note though we we've had we've had Keith Costigan on the show someone who who you've coached soccer with someone who we both know very well and and Keith went went off on the on the show back a few months ago saying that you know when he goes out to to the parks in Los Angeles and San Diego in the more urban environments of of LA and SD he sees soccer out there in these Sunday park games and he walks away going My God, that was just as good, if not better, than what I saw in this club game where these kids are paying these ridiculous fees to to play on these teams. Do you think American soccer and, and the heads of American soccer and scouting and development could do a better job to actually delve deeper into the urban communities of this country?
7: Well, of course they could, uh, you know who, who wants to go into an urban neighbourhood for eight hours and uh, watch watch games of soccer? Nobody, you know. You, you, you want to go. But 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 b-
2: basketball, basketball and football scouts—the people that you talk about—are doing it all the time
7: because that's where that's where the talent is. And, and until you at Soccer realizes that the the most talented segment of the population is playing soccer in an urban environment. Nothing's going to change. Look, the the, the scouting—I've I've done scouting for U.S. Soccer, for Cal South—and where do we go? We go, we go to the suburbs. We don't. We, there's, there's no, there's no big inner-city tournaments uh, where you can go and scout 300, 400 kids in one day. You know, like, like Keith said, you know, you, you have you have to make a special, special effort to to get down to these urban environments. And find out where the games are, and and get your get your ear to to what's happening.
2: Well, absolutely. His name is Nick Webster. My name is Nate Abarrea. We're going to take a quick break here on World Soccer Talk Radio. When we come back, we'll wrap up this American coaching discussion, and we will take a trip over to merry old England, and talk a little Leicester City, and a little Gooners right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. It's the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay with us.
3: If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League,
6: dot com Cheers. Are you wasting hundreds of dollars each year on contact lenses? Would you like to be able to see clearly again without reading glasses? Make the smart choice with IQ Laser Vision. Offering locations throughout California, Dr. Robert Lin and his staff at IQ Laser Vision have performed over 40,000 LASIK procedures. LASIK is also as affordable as your daily cup of coffee at less than $2 per day. See for yourself at IQLaserVision.com. That's IQLaserVision.com. IQ Laser
3: Vision.
6: Big news! The new
4: Sprint LTE Plus network is faster than Verizon and AT&T based on analysis of a recent study by Nielsen. And to celebrate, we're inviting you to join Sprint for the biggest offer in U.S. wireless history. Switch to Sprint and save 50% on most Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile rates. Yep, you heard that right. No gimmicks, no tricks. You have Verizon's 6 gigs for $60, $30 with Sprint. And if you have 15 gigs for $100 from AT&T, $50 with Sprint. Even if you have T-Mobile's 10 gigs for $80, we'll give it to you for $40. And we won't force you to watch video in low def. Oh, and one more thing. We'll even pay your switching fees up to $650 per line, so you can switch to the Sprint LTE Plus network today. Visit a Sprint store at Sprint.com slash save 50%.
5: Offer coverage not available everywhere for discounted phones excludes taxes, surcharges, roaming, and premium content subject to new line $36 activation, fee credit valid quoting. Plans may not be exact match. See website for eligible plans. Offer around 1716 72 Exclusions and restrictions apply. Contract by ID. reward card requires online registration.
4: See the world's best matches. Live. Wherever you are. With Fox Soccer to Go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone. On your tablet. And on your computer. Get the app. Get the
3: games and get your fix. Live soccer and more, anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com.
2: You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
7: Where you from, mate? Just around...
2: Silence, from Flash cockpit bastard, you know Stanley. Nick Webster, you love Scousers, right? You love everything Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken.
7: Absolutely, I love it when they lost Newcastle United, in new favorite team.
2: <laughs> oh, you, oh, you enjoyed that little match on on Sunday, did you?
7: Oh, it was it was it was music to my ears, listening to the Toon Army go off.
2: Oh my goodness, my 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 Klopp mania! It it took its like first little dent on Sunday. My my just high high on everything Klopp. I kind of kind of came down a little bit, and I don't I don't like it because I want to be I want to be high on Klopp because even you even you you
7: you have nothing but good things to say about this man. Well, no, to be fair, I I, I think Jurgen Klopp is a very Right and entertaining manager. I love his his pressing style of football. In fact, it's something that I have taken this year and used for Mighty Winwood, and and it's working quite successfully. Thankfully for me, though, I don't have a cripple named Daniel Sturridge to rely on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The human glass house that is Daniel Sturridge. Hey, I got to tell you real quickly uh, uh, before we talk a little uh, Premier League. Last night in, in our match, I talked about this in the opening, uh, our match against Foothill. We won, we won 2-1 last night, and with the match tied 1-1 uh, with about 10 minutes left, I was, uh, the, the match was halted. The center referee ran over to the sideline, and I was given—talk about some, some American soccerisms right here. I don't know what the technical term for this is, but I was given the mandatory law of silence. Uh, that, that's what I'm going to call it, uh, saying— Essentially, that if, I, if one more thing came out of my mouth about the officiating during our rain-soaked game at Thompson Field in West Reading last night, that I was going to be ejected and our team was going to have to forfeit the game. So someone who doesn't know me as a coach, they might hear that and go, oh, God, this guy's got problems. But you, knowing me and knowing my past as a coach, you go, wow, Nate, you're, you're actually making a lot of progress in the right direction. At least you're not storming the field now.
7: Well, look, this this is how I feel about officiating in America. I mean, they are, on the whole, 90%, 95%, utter garbage. And nobody, unless you understand the game, quite knows just how bad officials in soccer are. They are completely horrendous. And One of the favorite things that we say when we are watching yet another referee just completely bone everything up is, don't cheat the children. <laughs> can I Can I use that one next match? You can use that one. Don't cheat the children.
2: <laughs> oh, somebody please think of the children. You sound like the pastor's wife from the Simpsons. I love it. Nick Webster <laughs> alongside yours, truly Nate Abarea here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Hey, to wrap this thing up, uh, before we actually head to the Premier League, I, I gotta ask you because you are someone w- with a lot of expertise and a lot of a, a wide range of knowledge in this in this topic. And, and just to finish up everything that we've been discussing here, it, w- we we say it's going to take some fundamental change at the top of U.S. soccer to fix our youth system and to fix the the quote unquote pay uh, to play system. To sum it up for you, what what is it going to take to fix our youth soccer system? In this country, and and therefore help our our senior teams in the long run.
7: Well, U.S. Soccer currently, I think, has a surplus uh, runs into the many many millions. What they should do with that money, instead of paying the likes of Jurgen Klinsmann eight million dollars a year, is put that money towards youth Soccer and allow inner city kids to join club teams in the suburbs and play for free, okay? Soccer should be a sport that is paid for free, as simple as that. So the coaches coaches still need to get paid because they, they are doing a service, but U.S. soccer needs to put their hands in their pockets and start giving some money out to the inner city kids who love this sport and want to play at a higher level could
2: not agree more let us know your take at world soccer sock on twitter and to get a hold of me at nate wst and nick webster if he still checks his twitter you can get at him at nick webster when was the last time you sent out a tweet nick
7: uh i think last week uh, I, I one of my many articles that are submitted to realfootytalk.com if you want to find website find website games, Real footy I think Nate Aburra has himself written many a fine article for realfootytalk.com. Did I mention RealFootyTalk dot com?
2: One of my articles that I'm actually most proud of that I've ever written in, in all my years and all my, my many years on planet Earth actually came from the USA Mexico experience. It was all about Tuca Ferretti, who is now actually in the Liga MAEC final. Uh, managing his club Tigres, and uh, you can check out that article again on realfootytalk.com. Nate Abarea and Tuca Ferretti, love and gratitude, the story of the CONCACAF Cup. Oh, we love you, Tuca. I wonder if Tuca could manage the USA someday. That, that is a whole other story. All right, heading over to England. we, we got to talk about England. we got like four minutes left here with you, Nick. Leicester City is, is the fairy tale of all fairy tales right now and Cinderella's story, I think, would be an understatement. It's incredible what they're doing. Everyone asking, my God, how long can this last? But I don't want to talk about the team right now. I want to talk to you about one individual. His name is Jamie Vardy. You love Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy, racist thug or England's next great striker or both?
7: Well, when you look at Jamie Vardy, he is the poster child for all players that don't necessarily make it the first time around. And he's also the poster child for something called effort. It's it's, it's a quality that is very underestimated. People always seem to think about skill is the most important quality a player can possess. But I would disagree 100%. Effort, effort, combined with a little bit of skill can turn you into a player and can turn you into one of the most feared players in world football. And that is what Jamie Vardy has become. So, you know what? I am so in awe of what this player has achieved over the last three months, from non-league football to England international to top scorer in the Premier League, breaking Ruben van goal-scoring consecutive game record. It really is. It, it's, it's heartwarming, and I, I just hope he continues this form because, obviously, as soon as you stop scoring, and it's, I know it's only been one game, but all of a sudden the doubts start creeping in. So I'm just hoping that Gianni Gadi can go out against Chelsea and show everybody that he still is the man of the moment.
2: All right, so for all the phone calls that I had to receive over the last couple of years about my beloved Luis Suarez from late-night phone calls from Nick Webster going, he's a racist, biting thug, none of those labels? You're not going to put any of those labels on Jamie Vardy?
7: Well, I haven't seen Jamie bite anybody recently. He hasn't bitten anybody. Um, I'll
2: give him that. He hasn't bitten anybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now,
7: in, in in terms of being a racist moron, well, you know, unfortunately, Nate, As we were discussing earlier, football is a vehicle for (laughs) underprivileged in the city youths to break out and to find a different life. And unfortunately, to be good at football usually means that you didn't really hit the books that hard, and if you come from a family where perhaps your parents were on the racist side, that's all you know. You don't know any different. Now, I'm not making any excuses for Jenny Vardy. There's there's, there's no place for racism in football and in life. However, if he doesn't know any better, someone has to tell him.
2: Well, and hopefully, I mean, the the man is in his late 20s. I mean, that's what a lot of people don't realize about Jamie Vardy. The man's been around the block quite a few times already, and maybe this will be a chance for him to learn and grow as a human being, even in his late 20s as a professional footballer. I sure hope so. I love what he's doing on the field. I love what he represents. I love the inspiration that he can be for players of all levels all across the globe in England and beyond. Nick Webster. Great pleasure having you on the show. Hopefully, we can do it again soon sometime. And again, be sure to check out that website,
7: realfootytalk.com. May a, uh, thank you. Always a pleasure.
2: We're back after this with Kyle Van Buren of the Arsenal Review USA talking goon squad right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Screaming to break. Stay tuned. At Discover, we believe anniversaries should be a time of celebration, not obligation. That's why we think annual fees are ridiculous. And now, just for giving us a try, we're going to give new card members a one-year anniversary gift they'll never forget. At the end of your first year, we'll take all the cash back you've earned, then match it dollar for dollar. No caps and no catches, because we know if you try us, you'll like us, and that's worth every penny. Try it and believe it at discover.com slash double. Anniversary double cashback offer only for new card members. Limitations apply.
5: Today, more than ever, Americans need a means to protect their life savings. With a troubled economy and government spending out of control, they've been forced to promote loose money policies, which decreases the value of the dollar and promotes inflation. Birch Gold Group can help you protect your savings by rolling over all or a portion of your IRA or 401K into an IRA backed by physical gold. Take advantage of the best gold prices in years and enjoy the long-term hedge against inflation that gold provides by moving into a gold IRA from Birch Gold. Group, The Precious Metal IRA Specialists. Call Birch Gold Group today for a free consultation on how a tax-free rollover to a gold IRA can offer stability, protection, and the peace of mind that your life savings, which you've worked so hard to build, is safe. Call 888-221-0010 and receive Birch Gold's free information kit, which offers the best-kept secrets for safeguarding your savings with gold. Call 888-221-0010. That's
1: 888-221-0010. Billions of dollars continue funding every single year to businesses all across this greatest nation on God's green earth. This is Michael Medved for BusinessLoansNow.com, where they don't focus on personal credit. Funding can be used for payroll, equipment, added cash flow, and startups. If your business could use up to 500000 within just a couple of days, or up to $5 million within a week, I encourage you to visit BusinessLoansNow.com. Find out how much your business could qualify for. That's BusinessLoansNow.com.
8: 800 480 5708. Party, people!
2: Yeah. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Berea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
7: Pretty good. Pretty damn good, lads! Yeah! Yeah! Ah!
2: Come on, welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio. Our show today brought to you by Audible, and they have got a free book for you. They've got over 180,000 titles. You can choose from any of them. got the Sir Alex Ferguson book entitled Leading, where he talks all about his insight into the leadership skills he used at Manchester United. All you aspiring commentators out there, check out the John Motson autobiography, the Bobby Charlton book, The Secret Footballer's Guide to the Modern Game, Oh, so many more. The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, all of it available to you for free for the first 30 days. Cancel during the first 30 days. You pay absolutely nothing, and the book is yours to keep no matter what, but I think you'll be hooked. Audible is a great way to listen to your favorite authors on your commute or at the gym. Here's the deal. Get your free audiobook today. Write this down. This is the important stuff. AudibleTrial.com slash World Soccer Talk. Again, AudibleTrial.com slash World Soccer Talk, your first month absolutely free you get one audiobook that is yours to keep no matter what sign up today at audibletrial.com slash world soccer talk my name is nate abarea tweet me at nate wst another big thank you to our good pal nick webster for joining us in this edition of the show and to help us close this baby out and talk a little awesome no Oh FC. no, let's say it is one Kyle Van Buren of the Arsenal Review USA pod. Kyle, after yesterday's 3-0 Greek Champions League triumph for the Gooners, I, I'm sure you're feeling pretty nice right about now.
9: Yeah, there were plenty of polls going around. Uh, what are Arsenal's chances of uh, getting through? And I don't think any Arsenal fan on the face of the earth was too enthusiastic or Uh, upbeat about the uh, prospect of Arsenal advancing in the Champions League going into yesterday's match, and uh, certainly they proved us all wrong. I think a certain Olivier Giroud proved us wrong as well, uh, given the fact that um, he he tends to be a player that's under a lot of criticism um, with his his ebbs and flow um, of of form, but uh, he he proved all of us wrong and uh, certainly is in the good graces of Arsenal fans at the moment.
4: Well, one would think,
2: and I have to ask you, Kyle, if if I would have told you yesterday morning I, I had I had a hundred dollars in my hand, I put it down on the table, and I said I got a hundred bucks on Olivier Giroud scoring a hat trick at Olympiakos, would you have taken that hundred dollar bet?
9: Oh yeah, without without question. Um, <laughs> I, you, you look at you look at Arsenal's track record in, in the Champions League, and certainly it's a good one. Uh, you know, qualifying for the Champions League uh, group stage for however many years—a long time, 20 years—ever uh, since Arsene Wenger's been there. And you also look at their uh, track record of advancing to the group stage. Um, they haven't done that with a lot of flair over the years. I mean, you have to go back all the way to 2002, um, where they won a group stage match by more than three goals and kept a clean sheet uh, in doing so. And they've only had a couple matches throughout the years where they've actually scored more than uh, three goals and won by, you know, more than a goal or two in that process. So um, to think that they were going to score three goals to put the game and the um, the tie and the group completely out of sight for Olympiacos and uh, a hat-trick was going to be scored by one Olivier Giroud, I would have probably upped the ante to, you know, a solid grand uh, in that case. And, um uh, I would have been a big loser in that regard. <laughs> but you would have been a but you would have um, been a winner as an Arsenal fan.
2: I I like where this this whole theoretical thing is going because I just won a thousand dollars. I'm I'm happy yeah. with this. I'm really right. I'm really glad you brought up that stat too from from 2002. You know the last time that they they won a game by more than two and kept a clean sheet. And look, everybody talks about Arsenal in the Champions League, and it's one of those things that you can just you can write down on on your on your yearly calendar. You got tax day, you got Christmas, you got Arsenal progressing to the knockout rounds of the champ. Champions League. All right, then from there comes, in many cases, apart from 2006 when they made it all the way to the final and were very unlucky to not win that match uh, against Barcelona, they get knocked out at a certain point, and and oftentimes in very easy fashion. I, I, I can't help but think back to, to the exit to Monaco most recently, and and what is it about the the knockout rounds of the Champions League for Arsenal, and how are they going to focus on that this year, considering everything that is. On the table domestically. How do you think Wenger's going to balance the Premier League and the Champions League this time around? It's an age old question, but focusing on the present, how do you think he's going to do it here in, uh, in the, the 2016 looking forward?
9: Yeah, a, a good balance to start would be having players healthy to be able to compete in both competitions, but that's maybe another discussion and a long one at that. Uh, but I think if you look at uh, Arsenal's uh, at least recent history in the Champions League knockout stages, they've really struggled at home. Uh, in those particular ties, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's the pressure playing in front of your home fans. Um, Arsenal fans tend to get a little uh, um, ornery, and uh, and things when you know matches aren't going well. So you know if, if things aren't going well early in those in those first legs or the second leg, for that matter, if it's at home, um, you know aren't the fans um, don't always do a great job getting behind the team. So I think that's something that Arsenal's going to have to focus on. Um, depending on whether that uh, that first leg is at home or not, because you know they, they went to Bayern Munich a few years ago and won two nil, uh, didn't matter because they lost on away goals. Uh, they went to Monaco and won two nil last year, even though they had uh, you know lost three to one at home, so went out on away goals. Um, so their struggles in recent history have been at home at the Emirates Stadium. Um, so if they can you know shape that up uh, going forward, depending on I guess who they. They draw. Um, it really shouldn't matter, I guess, at this point because you know Monaco was the easiest group winner on paper last year, and look what happened there. So, uh, I think if they can get a the, a the result that you would expect from Arsenal at home at the Emirates, um, the away legs have tend to you know tend to take care of themselves, and at least the recent history is telling us. Well, let's talk briefly,
2: and obviously we we have to keep this brief because I know Kyle, you and I could talk about this for for hours, and it's the the ever. <laughs> the, the non-stop injury crisis. We, we call it the, the Arsenal <laughs> injury crisis. And it seems like it's something we talk about every damn season right around the same time. But then there have been some very interesting studies that have come out over the last couple of weeks from from guys who are, are neutral parties in England who have no allegiance to any club. They're not out for any goal to, to support anybody. And they talk about the fact that Arsenal actually don't have the world injury problem in the league that that other teams actually when you when you do a full study and you look through the roster and what they're going through that they actually have had far more injuries than Arsenal this season that Arsenal are are not even in the in the top 10 in terms of how injuries are are affecting and decimating their roster a lot of Arsenal fans I've heard say man it's like we we use the same old excuse every time is that what it's coming to that that the injury crisis is the the same old excuse, or do you disagree with those studies and feel like the the particular players that are getting hurt are so damaging to to the arsenal competitive cause? How do you feel about
9: all that yeah, I mean there's no question that there's certain arsenal players that have a track record of, of injuries, and as much as I love a Jack Wilshire and a Kieran Gibbs and you know, even Danny Welbeck in the short time he's been with the club and, and, and the goal he scored in the, in the FA Cup last year away at uh, Stanford Bridge, or excuse me, Stanford Bridge, um, Old, Old Trafford. Um, you know, those are the players that you know, need to be considered to, you know, perhaps they need to move on because they're the ones with that track record and we could probably still get a decent amount of money from an English club uh, for those particular players. But we also have to look at a guy like Santi Cazorla, who's played 165 matches over the last three and a half seasons or since he's joined Arsenal. And you would think that he's kind of that um, th- that machine for Arsenal, that little engine that could because of his stature, I guess. Uh, but, you know, a guy that seemingly never got injured, even though he played all the time. He just didn't have that track record. But I think those 165 matches caught up with him at this point. And Arsene Wenger's always been a manager where he's going to play um, his best 11 if they're healthy and, and maybe if they're not healthy and you look at a guy at, at, uh, like Alexis, Alexis Sanchez who um, we knew was struggling with a hamstring and he played him anyway. And that certainly came, came back to bite us. Uh, hopefully he won't be out too long, but um, you know, there's been plenty of stats going around that, uh, you know, November in general um, over the history of Arsene Wenger's tenure um, at the club it has been his worst uh, month in terms of points in the Premier League, um, and you know that says something when you have players going away on multiple international breaks over the first couple months in the season and then you know being rushed back from various parts of the world to play yet again uh, domestically uh, in the month of uh, November and December and the build up to the new year, you know Arsenal have always tended to struggle, and then somehow they overcome those injuries. You know, in in the spring to finish in the top four yet again. But I think it's a fundamental issue with um, you know keeping players around that have that history of injuries, and then having so many internationals in the side that they're constantly playing, playing. They never get a rest. And if they're healthy and ready to go domestically, Arsene Wenger is going to put them on the field.
2: Look, injuries and balancing competitions are, are not topics that are unfamiliar to to Arsenal supporters in England right. and and the U.S. and and around the world. So, but again, tying it back to this season, Kyle, what would you like to see in terms of the balance? What is the most important competition for you, especially when you look at the Premier League table and you you see this level of parity? That I quite frankly have never seen before. It, it, it's absurd this year of one through six right now. The way all of these teams are playing, and honestly, not—I <laughs> don't mean that in, in, a, in a good sense. I'm uh, a lot of the time the way that one through six is playing. The Leicester City story, the the Man United wibble wobble, the Liverpool Kloptoberfest, Arsenal with their situation, even clubs like West Ham and Crystal Palace up there banging around. How do you feel about balancing the league and the Champions League for Arsenal, which is more important to you as a Gooner supporter?
9: I would say definitely the league at this point. I mean, you could say it over uh, a number of seasons that it it, it seems as though there's, there are certain points where it's wide open and then a few teams take command and, and really go from there, and probably seen that over the last five, six, seven. It's not the last decade um, for sure, Uh, but this season in particular, like you mentioned, is you know it's just crazy. The the point gap is is so small between you know first and what seventh or eighth it seems like. Um, You have Chelsea, which you know brings a smile to my face, but uh, I'm sure not Chelsea supporters um, down in the relegation zone. Um, Yeah, so just pure craziness in terms of the uh, Premier League table. And I don't know. I look at our history in the in the Champions League. What I love to go and playing a final, um, you know, against Madrid or Barcelona or even Bayern Munich, you know, these, these teams that have kind of had our number over the years in that competition and win, um, sure. But the likelihood of that happening, I think with the squad being so bare right now, um, I know the knockout stage, just doesn't come up here until February and we have some time to get healthy and maybe bring in a few signings in January. I don't see that happening. Um, knowing Marsden Wenger's history in the January market, but, um, you know, I would say put our focus on the Premier League. We're two points off the top. We just finished our worst month uh, typically uh, during a uh, calendar year or during the uh, run of a uh, Premier League season. And, um, you know, we have a relatively soft schedule, um, you know, comparatively speaking, to the to the rest of the year in the March, April, May timeframe. So it gives us a little time to get healthy and, and maybe pick up and finish strong um, in the Premier League table like we typically do. Um, but I really do think the focus right now has to be in the league, and that includes um, you know when that knockout stage time frame comes up. I mean, we have, really have to put that onus on um, staying strong in the league, keeping pace um, with the other top sides, because eventually there's going to be a gap that's formed with the top sides. I mean, I have to think that Man City is going to get their act together. Uh, Man United maybe will get their act together, and who knows? Leicester might continue the uh, run of greatness and form that we've seen from them so far and the pressure of being in that position might never set in for them so um, you know I think there's a lot on the plate for Arsenal still in three competitions Um, you know there's still that FA Cup run to think about as well going forward uh, a very favorable draw uh, in the first round for Arsenal at home to Sunderland so um, for me I think the two domestic competitions in the FA Cup and the Premier League have to be the priority going forward.
2: Real quick, Kyle, crystal ball Sunday afternoon. We head to Birmingham. We head to Villa Park. Villa hosting your beloved Arsenal. Give me a scoreline Sunday afternoon at Villa Park.
9: <laughs> Originally on the uh, the podcast that I do with a, a good friend of mine, Arsenal Review USA, uh, I said 2-1 to because I, I just didn't see where the goals were coming from for Arsenal. I know where they're coming from now as of uh, last night. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, I think I'll one up that prediction and say three to one, uh, at least for your show, uh, and, and these purposes, because if you look at the Villa side, um, I think they've scored something like five goals at home. Uh, I think they've taken two points from all their home games so far. I mean, they've been pretty dismal in general and, and, um, and pretty awful, um, at home, you know, they haven't, haven't won a game. So. I'd like to think Arsenal will continue a little bit on that high streak of qualifying, but I can also see um, them struggling a bit, you know, coming off the high of uh, qualifying in in rare and um, spectacular fashion as they did against Limpiakos. So um, I'll say 3-1 to the Arsenal with Villa. Putting up a little bit
2: of a fight in that one. I like it. I, I, I like the scoreline. I like the prediction. I could see it 3 1 to the Arsenal at Villa Park with Brad Guzan still making like a dozen saves, a dozen top notch saves, and then still yeah. letting three in. How you, How you like that one there? Hey, Kyle, real quickly, like 20 seconds left here. Tell us how we can listen to your podcast. Sure. So
9: uh, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, all the usual uh, streaming places. The show is called Arsenal Review USA. Uh, ArsenalReviewUSA.com is the website. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, ArsenalReviewUS, uh, and on Facebook and the usual social site. Um, but we put out a show weekly, typically Monday afternoons, Monday evening, following the uh, the matchups on the weekend.
2: Beautiful, Kyle Van Buren. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you.
9: Again, that was Kyle Van Buren.
2: Check it out, Arsenal Review USA Pod. We're back after this to close this thing out, World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned.
10: Call Lear Capital now. 800-631-9229. My joints used to kill me. I'd wake up with stiff knees and a stiff back, and it wouldn't get much better throughout the day. I went to doctors and took almost every supplement you can think of, and nothing seemed to help. Then I found something called oil can joint lubricant.
2: I haven't had a chance to do this yet on the show here this week. It's something that I wish I didn't have to do, but we got to do this. And that is a, a formal get well soon to one of my favorite soccer players of all time and someone with a great, great connection to the city that I am currently staying in for a couple months while I coach the Shasta soccer team, and that is Megan Rapino. I'm sure you've all heard about the horrible ACL injury that she suffered in training out there in Hawaii. And what did Megan say on Twitter the other day? Don't worry. I'm going to be fine, and I'm going to get really good at FIFA 16. We love you, Megan. Cheers to you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Nate Alvarez signing off for World Soccer Talk Radio. Thanks, Gaffer. Thanks, producers. Hasta mañana.